This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. I'm Mike Hebert, owner of Cantex Roofing and Construction. Every day is game day, and we'll get it right when it comes to your roofing, construction, windows, and mirrors. Call Cantex Roofing and Construction today. Together, we are one serving you. Hey, good morning. It is uh, the morning drive on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. Dan in Dallas weighs in. He says that uh, sounds like Mr. Giolito got the adios muchacho call. <laughs> sounds like it. Bringing our segments together. Mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> let's see here. All right. Yates Flooring Center chat line is open. Go to the Double T 97.3 mobile app. It's presented by Happy State Bank. Also, the Visual Edge IT hotline is open. Well, we talked about this yesterday. Really comes as, as no surprise, but Northwestern parted ways with Pat Fitzgerald um, yesterday afternoon. And this uh, comes amid the uh, hazing uh, that surfaced inside of the Northwestern locker room. There's also some other um, things that have come to light in terms of forcing um, people to cut their hair, cut their dreadlocks for the quote Northwestern way. I'm not sure if the white guys had to do that too. I'm, I'm guessing, but I don't, didn't kind of sound like it. it sounded <laughs> like it was just the black guys, coaches and players. So <clears throat> that's troubling. Um, he is just 48 years old, Pat Fitzgerald, uh, and Northwestern basically was his life. He played yeah. there, was an assistant there. He contracted until 2030. I didn't realize that. Between became the head coach, you know, because previous head coach died of a heart attack at a young age. And um and so now he's 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 in a pickle. And yeah. I heard this morning that he had lawyered up, of course. Yeah. Of course he's gonna lawyer up. But I think, yeah. I think he had forty two million left on that contract. Yeah, he's not gonna see it. Um because they've they've basically fired him for cause. Uh, you can't. I can't imagine that they've negotiated anything because if they had negotiated something, then he wouldn't have lawyered up, right? Right. I do wonder though if it would have been better for Northwestern if they would have kind of done them, took the Mark Adams approach, and maybe we felt like we should have, we could have fired for cause, but we'll come to an agreement just so this will be done because now it seems like it's going to drag out, and it's already you know middle of July. Football starts soon. Well, this this is this has been going on for quite some time. I mean, these allegations surfaced last year. I mean, they've been they've been investigating this for six months. Yeah. There's a part of me that wonders, like, from Northwestern standpoint, of why did it take so long for you to find this out? Yeah. You know what? Why did you have to hire a law firm to investigate this and then come up with this report and then and then you basically tried to dump it on a Friday mm-hmm. after with the Fourth of July? Yeah with a two-week suspension, when nothing's going on, when coaches are on vacation, and just try to kind of sweep it under the rug, so to speak. It does, yeah, it did. It almost seems like they were called out for the way they handled it. And they're like, sure. oh, okay, well, how, how's this then? Does this make everybody happy? N- yeah. And it, now they're going to be in a huge legal battle. And no, it didn't. Uh, the university president, he finally came to his senses, I think. Uh, when he, he came up with this, he said, the head coach is ultimately responsible for the culture of his team. Yes. The hazing we investigated was widespread and clearly not a secret within the program, providing Coach Fitzgerald with the opportunity to learn what was happening. I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, the head coach knows everything that's going on. Or I don't should. care what anybody says. Yeah. The head coach knows 
what is going on within his football team. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The head coach knows uh, or has somebody that is connected to somebody with the clubs in, in the town that basically they know if one of their guys runs a foul and then they can fix it, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. Or, or, they can, or they can, you know, make arrangements for it to be fixed. Um, they, they have a relationship with the police department, not to try to get anything swept under the rug, but just to try to make sure that their guys are in line mm-hmm. and that, they're, that they are aware of, of what's going on so they can stop something if something is going on. It's it's just it, it's it's just it's basic stuff here. It's part of the job. Part of the job, and and it's his job to know the culture. I mean, he's been there a long time, so yeah. he knows. Yeah. So you can't. It's not like he was just brought in. And so he he knows. And it's also <clears throat> weird because I've seen like mixed reports whether he's he claims some stuff he didn't know was going on, which goes to your point of that's part of the job to know that everything is going on and other other things it's you know i didn't think it was that big of a deal or you know it was it was happening you know beyond my reach of control or you know things like that it's just like all of that all of that looks and sounds bad like i don't think those are the best ways to defend yourself in a situation like this i don't know what like what the best way is but i don't think that's that's the way to go fitzgerald in a statement to espn said uh, he was surprised when he learned that the president of Northwestern unilaterally revoked our agreement without any prior notification and subsequently terminated my employment. Okay. Uh, he, he said he, he has now entrusted his agent, Brian Harlan, who I believe is Kevin Harlan's brother, the broadcaster, and his and veteran trial attorney, Dan Webb, to take the necessary steps to protect my rights in accordance with the law. Well, you know, here's the deal, man. You, you, you look the other way, um, and uh, the the president of the university says, "Well, I'm appreciative of the feedback and consider it my considered it in my decision making. Ultimately, the decision to originally suspend Coach Fitzgerald was mine and mine alone, as is the decision to part ways with him. Well, good for the president to <laughs> to say, hey, this is on me. I'm I'm the guy that made this decision. Yeah. And you know what? I mean." If you're a university president, and, and this guy has not been at Northwestern very long, and I don't know where he was before, but, I mean, there's an awful lot that comes with that job, and usually those guys come up through the academic race. Yeah, right. And so they have to deal with, with a, a football coach who gets kind of sideways, especially one that's been there as long as he's been there. I mean, this goes back to, what, 2006 for him, I mean, yeah. in, in terms of being a head coach. Yep. A head coach. I know. And then you go back to him being a player back into the late 90s. So, I mean, he knows all the traps. He knows all the traps. He can't say, well, I didn't know the Northwestern way. I didn't know what I was getting myself <laughs> right. into. I, I, you know, No, you, you were part of the Northwestern yes. way. If there's anybody that knows, yes. it's him. He, he knows. Yep. He knows what's going on in his locker room. He's in that building every single day. And the other thing is, and I heard LeVar Arrington talking about this on Two Pros and a Cup of Joe before our show. He, he's, and he's right. The, 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 the strength and conditioning coaches, the equipment guys, it's not like the, the players are the only ones in the locker room. There's yeah, plenty right. of people around yeah. the locker room. Yeah. yeah, There's plenty of people in and out of that locker room. Yep. And, I mean, it was came out yesterday. It was on the whiteboard in the middle of the locker room for everybody to see. So it's not even like, yes, it was happening in the locker room, but it was happening, you yeah. know, strategically where coaches yeah. weren't around. That's not the story that we've heard so far. Yeah. So now the guy that's the guy that they think is going to replace him, 
um, is a guy that has not been there very long. In fact, he he came to them in January from um, North Dakota State, and I believe his his name is Dave Braun. He is the defensive coordinator, and he is he is because the, the the question is well. If you're going to fire him, well, then don't you have to fire everybody, right? You would think so. And because all the all the guys are going to – the other coaches are going to know. The position coaches are going to know. Yeah. They all know what was going on. Yep. So, I mean, here we are, July the 11th, and, you know, fall practice is going to start in the next three weeks. That, I guess that kind of goes back to your point about – You've been investigating this for how long? You've mm-hmm. known about this for how long? And then you tried to sweep it under the rug. And now that you kind of got called out for that, look at the situation you're in. You're, you're having to, instead of being able to clean house and start over, you're basically the, the same reason you fired Fitzgerald. You're appointing the guy sure. who's right there. Right? But it's, you almost don't have a choice because it's, like you said, July 11th. July 11th. What are you supposed to do? Uh, this from Mike. I played for Coach Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin, ninety-five through ninety-nine. We would have freshmen carry our pads after practice, but nothing like all the schools do now. That's the thing. I was talking with some coaching friends yesterday, and it's one of those that to me, I don't even. I wouldn't even qualify that as hazing. No. If the, if the no. freshmen have to get the or the the underclassmen have to get the the pads out that you're going to use that day, the equipment, you know, set up the field, take down the field, whatever it is. Like that's just kind of part of it. That if you want to say hazing, fine. But that you know that hazing, I understand. That's that's just kind of the way life. That's works. becoming part of the team, right? It, it, but the 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 hazing that is involved here, I've never understood, and I've never been involved in a locker room that like this. And I don't know where it comes from, but I just I I've never understood the desire to to be a part of something yeah. like that. And I guess that's what comes down to like maybe it is maybe that's why you blame the coach because that's the culture that's been created. Created, but it's weird to me. You know, back in the day, the NBA guys would have the rookies carry the balls. You know, right. be responsible for the yeah. for the balls as they traveled. But now they're they all travel charter, so right. you know it's not different. like they're going through an airport with a bag seen, of basketballs. They have to get the food. They have to get the, the takeout food for the plane. That's what yeah. the rookies have to do now. The Morning Drive podcast from Double T ninety seven three is presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Morning Drive time for this day in sports history. It is. 7-11, July 11th, 2023. Here's Jeff McGuire. All that checks out, yes. 1914 is where we will start. I mean, it's always good to check my work. You know, sometimes we, we've been wrong before. Right, right. No, no, no doubt. I, I say we. Right, yeah. The collective there. Sure. 1914, we shall start because future baseball Hall of Fame slugger, pitcher, Babe Ruth, makes his major league debut for the wow. Boston Red Sox and earns a 4-3 win over the Cleveland Naps at Fenway Park. Nice. 1950, in the 17th All-Star Game, the National League wins 4-3 in 14 innings at Comiskey Park. <clears throat> Ted Williams breaks his elbow in the first extra inning All-Star Game. Fast forward to 1984, in the 55th All-Star Game, National League wins 3-1 at Candlestick. Catcher Gary Carter, Montreal Expos, is your two-time All-Star MVP. He, you know he 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 was just so he was just so good, just so good. I'm not sure I've ever heard of him. Gary Carter, yeah, uh, he, he was a catcher. 
I mean, as Jeff said, right. you know, obviously, I mean, <laughs> played, for, played for the Expos, played for the Mets. Um, he, he was just, he was a great, he was a great catcher. He wasn't in the same vein of catchers as like Pudge or Johnny Bench, Johnny Bench, or or even Carlton Fisk. Mm-hmm. But he was in that next tier down of guys that really knew how to play the position, and also guys who could hit with some power. Mm-hmm. Nineteen eighty-five, Astros Nolan Ryan is the first to strike out four thousand batters. Number four thousand. New York Met, Danny Heap. Danny Heap, okay. 1989, the day that started it all. Major League Baseball All-Star Game number 60. Mm. AL wins 5-3 in Anaheim. Yeah, what happened? Bo Jackson at the plate homers with President Ronald Reagan on the call. Yeah. Looks like he could hit the ball. <laughs> Talking about his post his off season workout mm-hmm. with the Oakland Athletics, and wins the AL MVP with Nike immediately launching the black and white photo campaign. Mm-hmm. And Bo knows. <laughs> and this is when I became a Bo Jackson fan, yeah. like everybody else at <laughs> this time. He just he. he. He was just one to one to watch batting practice. I mean, everybody stopped when he when he went to go hit batting practice. 2012 future basketball Hall of Fame guard Steve Nash is traded by the Phoenix Suns to the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, he was good but not great because he could never put a team on his back and take it to a title. Some might say he didn't have enough talent around him. It's funny to just, hear him. He, he just he he faded. It's to hear him talk about it now. He talks about he wished he would have like tried to score more. Yeah, he was a pass first point guard. Like he's like if you one hundred percent pass first. Yeah, if he would have played today, because he he was like talks about like people would give me open shots, but they knew I wanted to pass. And if if I would have taken that, those shots, what would have happened? Like it's kind of an interesting take to hear him say it. It is National Blueberry Muffin Day. Oh, I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah. It's also National Mojito Day. I'm not a martini guy. Mojito. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm out on the Mojito's mojito. not a martini. What is it? It's like a mint. Uh, it's a mint and rum drink. Okay. It's actually really good, especially like on a hot day. It's definitely a summer style drink. Yeah, definitely. Um, with a little bit of citrus pop to it. it they are sure. very tasty. Uh, are you in on the mojito or no? No, I'm not a big yeah. fan of mint. Yeah. 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 So I'm out on that one. Just, I mean, just, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm really a two drink guy. Give me sure. a, a Coors Light or a vodka and grapefruit juice. Okay. But it's got to be the real grapefruit juice. It can't be the. You like the tart stuff. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. The real grapefruit juice. It's not, it can't be the, the, the citrus grape right. that comes out of the, you know, I always ask them at the bar. I'm like, do you have real grapefruit <laughs> right. juice? We have the one that comes. No, that's not the real. <laughs> so if you don't have the real, then just give me a Coors Light. Grapefruit juice is way too much for me. Uh, happy birthday to uh, actor Justin Chambers. You know him from uh, Grey's Anatomy. He's 53. Uh, Giorgio Armani, 89 today. I would have lost the bet if someone... I assume that's the Armani. That is the Armani, yeah. I would have lost... If someone would have said... Is he alive or dead? I would have lost You would have lost that bet? Definitely. Me too. <laughs> Joey Bosa, 28. Andre Johnson, 42. Dalton Schultz, 27. And Say Hop- Joey Bosa's 28? 
28. I don't think he's that old. And uh, Javier Lopez is 45. Nice. And on this day in 1804, mm -hmm. in one of the most famous duels in American history, Vice oh. President Aaron Burr <laughs> fatally shoots his longtime political antagonist, right. Alexander Hamilton. Hamilton, a leading federalist and the chief architect of the American political economy, died the following day. Yeah. That's what happens when you get into a duel. Well, so, usually. That, one somebody, of them usually ends up dead. Somebody, somebody, somebody survives and somebody... Somebody who doesn't. It's just not every day that the vice president <laughs> right. is in a duel and kills someone. Different times. Right. Right. Although maybe maybe that's a better way to handle things. Who can say? And that is this day in sports history. <laughs> All right. This day in sports history, 651 this morning here on the morning drive. Take your thoughts, comments, Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to doubletea973.com for that of the mobile app. Visual Edge IT hotline is open as well. Uh, Zach Thomas has picked his presenter for the Hall of Fame, and it's none other than his former NFL coach, Jimmy Johnson. Nice. Okay. Good so he, he will be enshrined and inducted, formally inducted, on August the 5th. I always, I, I have a bit of a rant on this. You're an English teacher, right? Yep. Okay. So I always, I have a, I have a real problem when they come out with these elections. People always say he was, they are inducted. Like, no, they were elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame back in oh, January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're inducted. That night. In, no, they're inducted oh. in July oh, right. or, the or night August. The yeah, ceremony. Right, yeah, right, at, right. At the actual ceremony. Right. They're inducted. I haven't even thought about that. That's so true. So it's yeah. just a. Now that's probably going to bother me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> does 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 that kind of stuff bother you? Do you know grammar and things like that? Does it? Yes. Are you uh, are you a guy that says whether or not, or do you just say whether? Um, I will say I think that one obviously should just be whether. Yeah, should but, be just be whether. But sometimes I I'll do whether or not because I feel like colloquially you might it might just sound better. So I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. But you're but you're right. It, it, it's not correct. The biggest problem with that is, or <clears throat> with being an English teacher is just because something registers in your head as incorrect or wrong, you can't, you don't want to be the guy who's correcting people all, all the time. time. Oh, he <laughs> does. Well, I don't correct people all the time, but I mean, a lot of the time I do. You know. <laughs> I mean, we have Grammar Girl, too, that, you know, she's not weighed in in quite some time. Oh, it goes both ways. Yeah. Oh, it definitely goes yeah. both ways. We have Grammar Girl who kind of, she, she weighs in from time to time yeah. to keep us on, to keep us on the... On the on the up right. uptake, you yeah. know, make sure that we're doing doing okay. Fair enough. In vocal communication, mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that if you get your point across <laughs> in what you are trying to communicate, yeah, it does not matter if it's grammar grammarly correct. Right. It doesn't matter if you pronounce the words correct. Do you? It's getting if that you way get, If you get your point across, that's kind of like when our rubrics now for various tests. It's kind of the same idea. Is as long as the grammar, spelling, punctuation don't take away from the overall message, you don't really take off for it. Uh, the speaking of Hamilton, wife and I are going to see Hamilton at Buddy Holly Hall in a couple of weeks. Y'all are going to be there? Yes, we're going. Uh, we're going on the twenty second, I believe, is when we're going. It's pretty cool. That's going to be here. Mm -hmm. Very mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, also being enshrined as part of the induction ceremonies will be Rondé Barber. Um, old Charger coach who really is the founder of the 
of the kind of the air raid and the NFL and the guy that threw the ball a lot uh, or very early in his career, Don Coriel. <laughs> Always looked like he had a corn cob stuck up, as you know what. <laughs> um, Joe Thomas, Demarcus Ware, Darrell Rivas, Joe Klecko. I, I have a bit of a problem with Joe Klecko. I, I don't – I mean, he was – he was very good. I'm not sure he was good long enough. Mm-hmm. Ken Ken Riley, Chuck Howley, who played for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. the only player to be the Super Bowl MVP on a losing team, and That's of right. course Zach Thomas. Yep, yeah. So it's a pretty good group. It is a good group. It is, it is a group. Good group. And so I'm, I'm, I was pleased to see Don Coriel get uh, uh, elected, uh, and obviously um, Zach Thomas. Yep. Um, very deserving. Probably if he'd played in some more playoff games or had his, his team had a little bit more success, yep. he would have made it a long time that, ago because he had much more yes. deserving stats than other guys that got ahead of him. Yep, that definitely hurt, uh, hurt him. He wasn't a part of like the narrative because his teams were so bad. Sure. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Thank you for uh, being with us today on Lubbock Sports Station, Double T 97.3 and Double T 97.3.com. It's uh, nice to have you with us today. Let's go to the Double T 97.3 mobile app, and uh, you can uh, do that through the through Happy State Bank, courtesy of Happy State Bank, presented by Happy State Bank. Uh, Taylor's in for uh, for Jamie this morning. All right, so man, what? Just think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. The McGuire era a little bit. Let let's say let's say you don't get a defensive stop against Houston, mm-hmm. and you lose that game, and then you lose the next week to uh, North Carolina State, and then the next week you. You have Texas team you won in overtime, right? And you you lose that game. <laughs> not not that you were going to run Joey McGuire out of town after one year, right. but but man, <clears throat> you finally had some luck go your way with your football program. Yes, which and kind of makes you think maybe it's not luck when you see the way he you know he runs things compared to how other people have run them. But do you mean I was less bullish on the the 22 team than a lot of people were um and so i think like their overall record kind of finished how i thought they would how they got there though was not at all how i I thought it would happen Mm -hmm. um but i think this has been talked about a lot is yeah you went seven and five or eight and five with the bowl game and that shouldn't be as exciting as it is but i think that's a naive way to look at it because when you you, when you look at the games individually and the games that were won, and like you said, I mean, Houston, that game you felt like you were winning. You should have been winning by more. Then all of a sudden you just can't – you keep turning the ball over and you end up needing overtime to to win that. NC State, that game could have been won if you had any kind of pulse on offense, the way the defense was playing. Um, you know, and then Texas, you would go for it 100 times on fourth down. Kansas State, that game should have been over and it wasn't. You fought back. And, like, you won – all the or you you were in almost every type of game you could possibly be in, and it just seemed like you kept making the coaching staff kept making correct decisions, and they didn't always 
like we talked about the last time, the, the decisions didn't always work out, but at least you saw the plan. You saw, like, this is the fo- kind of football team we're going to be. You know, Oklahoma is another perfect example. I was I was in group text just losing my mind. I could not believe how poorly that game was going, how poorly the defense was playing after how well that they had played for most of the year, getting crucial stops when you needed them. And the thing that I didn't take into account was that this version of Texas Tech is different. And and they showed us that the entire year. I just wasn't paying enough attention because that Oklahoma game is a game that most Tech teams lose, you know, what ended up being 51 to 48. Tech loses that 48 to 14, you know, and the fact that you were able to keep fighting back, win a game like you had not won all year just goes on. It just goes to show what I'm saying is like, this it doesn't matter the type of game that you're in with McGuire and this coaching staff. You can you can put your your faith in the fact that they are going to have a plan for whatever type of game shows up. And it's I mean, evidence would say it's gonna be a pretty good one, you know. I mean, it keeps getting pointed to, but the fact that you win a game in Ames fourteen to ten, and then you win a game the very next week in Lubbock fifty one to forty eight is kind of proves that right there and and, you know there's just that two game sample of the season you know and so you 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 just kind of look at this and it's it's all taken off and there's a uh there's a great article in the dallas morning news um today at least it's it's surfaced on my uh access of the news today um about joey mcguire and uh he's he says with regard to the big 12 Mm -hmm. our plan is to win it this Mm -hmm. year and he said uh he said among the things he said was that you know basically that fans have thanked him for winning against Oklahoma and Texas last year uh but then you know he said <clears throat> we didn't win the Big 12 mm-hmm. and we want to do that before <clears throat> Texas leaves so obviously that's this year <laughs> yeah, right yeah you don't have much time for that <laughs> he said our goal is to win the Big 12 we didn't do that <clears throat> If you ask any of our kids, they're going to tell you this. We'll win the Big 12 before Texas leads the Big 12. So obviously our plan is to win it this year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's something, another thing you can kind of take stock in, and it's fun to do so as a fan, is we were happy about last season. And there were moments that, that McGuire was too, obviously, but the, he he expects that to be his worst season at Texas Tech. That, like he's not he's not pointing to last season saying like, look at what we did. Look at mm-hmm. what we accomplished. He's saying like, yeah, we overcame some adversity. It was the first season that we were here, but th- I mean, that should be a low point moving forward. And I, and I genuinely believe him when he says that, which is again, like we can have fun and, and talk about how great it was to beat Texas and OU in the same year and all, but that's not what he's focused on. And that, I mean, that's what I like. That's what I want in a coach, to not be satisfied with something that hasn't been done, but keep looking for things that haven't been done. All of that is great, okay? Oh, and and I'm in for it. Here comes the cold water. No, no, no. I have the bucket of cold water. I'm not throwing it on anybody. Okay, yeah. But I'm just going to point out that it's Big 12 Media Day week, mm-hmm. which means we're going to hear 14 teams sure. and their head coaches sure. say that they want to win the Big 12 title this year before Texas leaves. Yeah. We'd and we'll dis- take it back. 13. Texas wants to win the title before they leave. We'd be right. disappointed if he didn't say that. Right. right. Yeah. We're also going to hear West Virginia, who all of us think might go over this season. <laughs> yeah. I think the difference, though, is McGuire has been 
And again, confident. that's why I'm not throwing it in. Right. I'm, but I'm just holding it up saying yeah. Big 12 Media Week, guys. Well, but he, the, he's he been doing this all offseason. Sure. And he was doing about, it all yeah. last year, too. Right. How, like, this this team is better than last year's team that we all think was incredible because we haven't seen that level of success in a while. You well, know? We were starved. We were starved yeah. for anything positive to yeah. happen after what we what went down with the Tuberville administration, yeah. the, the the Kingsbury administration, the the Wells administration, where it, you felt like it it didn't get better with every coach, it got worse with every coach. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know the the bull streak breaks. You know, with Tuberville, you know you have to fire you know one of your own, a, a, a treasured uh, alum, a guy that did everything right, who never embarrassed you, who you know helped you win huge ball games help you beat Oklahoma to send Spike Dykes out after he was fired slash forced to retire, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then you, you bring in a guy everybody's like, oh, who's this guy? Right. You got to Google, you got to Google Utah <laughs> state. We're bringing somebody from Utah state. Yeah. Really? Right. And then, and then that, and then, and then that just goes from bad to worse to where you're, you're leading at, at, at halftime against a school that you hadn't, historically been very good against including the first big 12 game ever and then you don't score in the second half and you you have to fire the guy yeah yeah it, it and i guess that's kind of another awesome thing about mcguire is the, all the things that you just listed how things have gone terribly wrong and like just gets worse and worse every year and so like when I, I think I said it yesterday, like everybody that I know, tech fans are like, we need to find our Matt Campbell. Well, it took Matt. I mean, Matt Campbell was like three and nine, four and eight his first two. Like it took a, a while for him to write that ship at Iowa State. And McGuire comes out the first year and is like seven five isn't good enough. <laughs> you know, beating beating Texas and Oklahoma that's not good enough. We have, we have bigger goals than that. And it didn't take three years to turn the, the, the ship around, which I would have expected it to. It, it was turned around basically instantly, um, which is another, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to believe because like even hearing you lay out how things just got worse and worse and worse. And then yet McGuire's first year, it's, you know, the best year in a decade, basically. Yeah. So at, at any rate, it it's, uh, it's, you know, you kind of feel like that, you're on the verge of something just really big. And, and maybe the the best thing that happened for Texas Tech, clearly now as we, as we see it, and maybe hopefully we'll still be saying this five years from now, the best thing that happened was you didn't score in the second half. Yeah. That you didn't beat K-State. Yeah. Because K-State wasn't really that enamored with their coach at that no, particular time. No, that, that was definitely a fork in the road game. I mean, that was, that was like... We didn't really know it at the time, but the coach that lost that game might have gotten fired. Yeah. And the, the coach that did lose that game got fired here. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing was the the foresight to hire Joey McGuire and pry him out of Baylor so that he could set up his staff and his recruiting base yeah. without having to worry about coaching a game. I'm sure it drove him nuts, but it allowed them to put a plan together yes. and get a, a firm base established without scrambling to do it like you see so many times. Yep. I think, and I think that, that yep. sometimes is lost at how big that was. Absolutely. And, and you can see because it set a blueprint that teams have tried to follow since because it was successful. Your daily dose of sports and fun. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3. Presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction.
All right, your question of the day. All right. Fast forward. It's October 8th. Tech has just played Baylor, and it's the week of Kansas State. Okay. What is the storyline? What's the biggest storyline? What are we talking about that week? We've text played six games. I think that's where we want to three, four, five. Yep. What's their record? That's up to or you. that's what. Uh, yeah. That's what's what's okay. the storyline on October eighth? Let's let's do a little predicting here. Okay. You played. You played Wyoming, Oregon, Tarleton, West Virginia, and Houston, and Baylor, obviously. Well, in in my mind, uh, you're uh, you're either five and one or six and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. I like that world. Okay. Um I mean I to me to me that that's that's a game regardless of of my history of rooting against that school over the entire life of my lifetime. Right. Um for the most part. Um <clears throat> that that to me is is a signature game is the signature game at home for you this year. Yeah, because I mean, I think it proves that, that you're TCU? you got you got to get up. Yeah, I think if Jamie were here, he'd say TCU because mm-hmm. it's you know in state. Yeah, there there are new rivals, so to speak, right. with Texas leaving. Um, but for K State, that's a, just a team you haven't been able to beat. Yeah, right. No matter it, no matter, no matter what. what. Yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. And you know, if you're going to have a special year, and you know they're a team that won the Big Twelve last year, yeah. so you got to beat them. Yeah. Yeah, you got to so, figure out a way to beat them. So basically, it's the headline is kind of is could be a preview of the uh, Big Twelve championship game. Could be, yeah, or it could be determining who gets one of the slots. Right? Yeah, Jeff, I'm not as bullish on six and zero at that point. I'm I'm in the five and one slash four and two camp, mm-hmm. depending on how Oregon goes. Right. Uh, I don't feel good about the Baylor game yeah. at all. Uh, if it was here, I, I'd like a better. I I might lean a different direction. What than... scares everybody about Baylor? <laughs> did you watch the game last year? I did. I did. did we that got exactly our go well. No, we got. I I wonder if we were starstruck. I wonder if we were. You think that's going to change in a year? <laughs> I, the... I just don't think the. Environment... You're asking why I'm why I'm. I just not don't think the environment in Baylor is going to be any kind of intimidating. I, I also don't yeah. think that I have too much respect for the Baylor coaching staff for them to take steps back in back-to-back seasons. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm looking at Baylor. They're going to take a step back against us. They're going to have to take a couple after last year. <laughs> if not, maybe three. We, it just did not go well last year. We, at we, all. We talked about McGuire having very few missteps. That, uh, that whole Baylor game was yeah, a misstep. It, we did not look prepared for the moment. And and the fact that it only happened once in his first was year great. is... I, yes. I'm yeah. not upset. I'm not trying to get anybody fired today. No. I'm just saying I've got too much respect for that staff. Mm-hmm. That being said, so you're 5-1 and one or 4-2, and two, either after your first loss or your second loss of the season, playing at home, looking at a team who you have feels like you have not beaten in the better part of 20 years. I know you have... But that's the way it feels. Right. And it's always been the team that you have shot yourself in the foot against on teams that you should have beaten with mm-hmm. Kansas State. Definitely. You'd had much more talented teams against Kansas State and didn't play well. Had mm-hmm. your worst game of the season against this team. So how do you snap that streak would probably be my guess of what that conversation is, especially coming off of a loss against Baylor. Yeah. I, I just think I, – I just don't think – 
that Baylor is going to put 231 net yards on you this coming. I just think your defensive line and your linebackers are are going to be improved. 231 yards isn't that much anymore. But it was 59 totes. Right. They uh, of the of the 89 play, play of the 89 <laughs> plays that they ran, 59 were rushing plays. They had four touchdowns. That game was so frustrating. Yeah. And I, I honestly think playing in Waco might be better. I, I just think there was that game, you know, you were putting Mahomes in the the ring of honor. It was a sold out night game. Like there was just too much. It was, it was just it was it was an awful lot to expect. Yes, I just I don't think that. Let's also not pretend like Baylor was a bad football team. No, 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 no. And they they matched up really well because the things that even though the tech defense was improved, the tech offense was improved. The the things that that they still struggled with. We had five interceptions in that game. In that, you're not going to win a game throwing five interceptions. No, they Tech had a had trouble. Like Baylor matched up really well against us last year, and then you also surround just the circus that that game was, and it was it was a recipe for disaster. So, I, could you could you okay? Let me <clears throat> let me ask, let me ask you this: Could you make a comparison of of this game? Because Baron Morton was eleven of thirty-four, three interceptions, hundred fifty-two yards. Mm-hmm. Could you make a comparison to this game and and Mahomes' first game against Texas at home? Was that the one he got knocked out? In? Yeah. <laughs> and he had yeah, Vinny Testaverde Jr. coming in, yes. and he was not his daddy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something there because I mean, that was it, also a night game. Yeah. I don't. There wasn't there was, quite as much hype, but it was Texas. But so yes, there was always exactly. there's always going to be hype with Texas, right? Yeah. I don't care what your record is or what their record is. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's definitely something there, and <clears throat> and it was just that Baylor had the perfect defense to play like that Aranda style, just kind of sit back, let everything come to you. Like you react to what the offense does. You don't. You don't get beat deep. That's kind of exactly the defense that you would have wanted to thrown thrown out against <clears throat> Morton that day because he had had some success. No, I wouldn't say forcing things, but he had had some success forcing the issue. And now you get a Baylor defense that's, that basically sits back and they don't tip their hand. They don't let you force the issue because you don't know what what You don't know what doing. the issue is. Exactly. And so a young quarterback talked about all this all the all the the pressure of that game and then now you come out and this Baylor defense this, this big athletic defense that can get to the quarterback that you're not going to be able to run against is now just kind of standing staring at you and you have to make every right decision um it was just it, like i said it was just four, a bad four of our oh, last oh, oh, hang on. Go ahead. We, we haven't gotten his answer taylor what's your answer what's the story as we go to break here oh well i think that well kind of what you said did you beat baylor or did you not i'm gonna say you did and so now it's it's more of is texas tech actually this team can they build on success? Do they know how to handle success? They've so far met expectations, but it's been against teams that they should have met expectations mm-hmm. against. Now it's Kansas State. Can you live up to this hype? Now it's getting real. That's kind of what I think. All right, 7.40 this morning on the morning drive. Boom, boom, boom is next. Your thoughts, your comments, your reaction. Yates Flooring Center chat line. Go to the Double C 97.3 mobile presented by Happy State Bank. This is the Morning Drive Podcast from Double T 97.3, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. 8.15 this morning on the Morning Drive. 
with Taylor Beatles is in for Jamie Lint this morning and Jeff McGuire. I'm Chuck Hines. Great to have you with us this morning. Uh, this article got posted at six o'clock this morning. It's in the Dallas Morning News today. It's written by Brad Townsend. Uh, the focus is on Joy McGuire in advance of uh, the uh, Big 12 Media Days, which will be tomorrow on Thursday. Tech will participate in uh, Big 12 Media Days on Thursday. We'll have coverage there. Jamie and Choice will be in Arlington at the uh, Cowboys place for all of that. And presumably they'll have Coach McGuire on to uh, talk with him about his football team and, and what's going to happen. But if you are a subscriber or uh, if you just want to pick this up, it, it's, a, it's a great read. The headline is New Alabama, question mark, how full tilt Joey McGuire has instilled sky-high belief at Texas Tech. And like all successful people, he has a, a background of having to persevere and, and climb up uh, with success. Uh, some things that maybe you didn't know about Joey McGuire. Uh, he grew up in Texarkana. His dad was an air conditioning repair guy, and his mom was uh, uh, a nurse. And uh, they moved when he was in the seventh grade from Texarkana to Crowley. Mm, okay. So yeah, he was he was not happy, uh, as most kids are not, of having to be uprooted from where you mm. grew up. You mm-hmm. know and. So as a as a result of that, he was he was somewhat embittered. Okay, <laughs> when he when he left, this is according to this article, and they they interviewed him and and talked talked with him extensively, and so basically he he went there and then uh, you know played a little football, got cut from the um, uh, basketball team, became a manager because his his mom told the coach he'll do anything you ask him to do if he's if he doesn't make the team, he'll be a manager. Mm-hmm. Well, he 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 was a quote roly poly seventh grader, embittered that he'd been uprooted. <laughs> he, said, he said then then that summer he went to a TCU um, football camp, and he said that that was kind of the beginning for him. This is the summer after seventh grade, and it, the coach was Jim Wacker. Mm-hmm. And he said he was bigger than life. And if you remember, do you remember Jim Wacker at all? No. So Jim all. Jim Wacker was, I mean, he was at uh, he he was he he was bigger than life. He was TCU football. He was mm-hmm. he was kind of what Joey McGuire is here. He mm-hmm. was larger than life. Mm-hmm. Uh, McGuire said he was so positive. He made me feel like a million bucks. He made everybody feel that way. That really started me coming out of Hayton, where I was at. <laughs> <laughs> so then. Then he becomes an MVP of TCU's camp, and then he goes on to Crowley and becomes an all-district linebacker, junior. And, and so he goes to UT Arlington, and he was going to go to nursing school. Mm-hmm. And his mom's vision was that he'd become an anesthesiologist. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine Joey McGuire as an anesthesiologist? <laughs> I mean, I guess it would be pretty exciting going yeah, to surgery. Yeah, going to surgery. You yeah. probably wouldn't go to sleep because the guy would be talking to you, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he'd be talking to you. But then, so he meets this guy. Um, as a as a friend, a guy named Roger Corn, um, who uh, did walk on here at Texas Tech, and uh, they Roger Corn apparently was a guy that was very athletic, and he and McGuire became thick as thieves, and then McGuire would come out here to see him, and he said that he said this after watching the Red Raiders beat Texas A and M in Jones Stadium. This is in 1989. McGuire mm-hmm. went with Corn to a team party at the home of quarterback Jamie Gill. Okay. McGuire listened as Red Raider players bragged about how they were going to whip their next opponent, number seven, Arkansas, 
which was McGuire's favorite childhood team. Okay. Because okay? growing up in Texarkana, right. he'd be right there on the border, yeah. right? And those would be times when Arkansas was really good, mm-hmm. right? And he said, guys, really? And then Corn, he said, grabbed his arm, but the damage was done. A defensive lineman by the name of Marcus Washington rose to his feet and said, what did you say? And and Jamie Gill said to, to Roger, said, hey, Roger, you probably need to leave with your buddy. And Joey McGuire said, yes, sir. So it didn't go, it didn't go very well. I wonder, if, I wonder if Jamie Gill has met Joey McGuire, and I wonder if he remembers that party and that conversation. Right, yeah. I'll, bet, I'll bet he does. Yeah. Okay? So... So then he was gonna he was gonna come to tech and and try to walk on, but then that's when he met his wife mm. who was uh he wanted to know who she was and he he pursued her mm-hmm. and and won. So uh Coach McGuire's wife said this in the article, Debbie, he was very cocky, very loud. I asked my best friend, who is this guy? He told his friend it was going to take three weeks to get her to break up with her longtime boyfriend. <laughs> Joey said it took two. <laughs> okay. Now, here's something else that you may not know about uh, Joey McGuire is that apparently he's been, he's performed some marriages. Did you know I, this? I did know this. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, um, he, he apparently is, has, I, I guess he's probably got one of those, you know, ordained you know mm-hmm. deals that allows him to allows him to do this but uh he married tech defensive quality controls assistant coach james lockhart uh that was uh saturday in little elm do you know him <laughs> i've seen him on twitter okay uh he also uh officiated in 2020 uh current carolina panther sam tecklenburg um and then uh, he had he had played at uh, Baylor and at uh, Plano High School. Mm-hmm. And then next April, he is going to officiate the wedding of Tyler Shuck and his girlfriend, oh. Jordan Warmdahl. I didn't know that. Uh, Warmdahl says, or Chuck said this, he's been so important and welcoming to both of us. Honestly, we can't think of anybody better. He's perfect. So how about that? That's a uh, That says a lot. You got people asking you to... Yeah officiate their wedding. McGuire said in this article he'd set a goal a long time ago of owning a Corvette by age 50 and his vet that he calls the Batmobile, his wife had snuck that car into their home uh, before the age of 50 when they lived in Midlothian. <laughs> and uh, and he, I guess this car can get up to 196. Oh. Okay. So <laughs> he's, he's not had it that high. But anyway, this is, it's a... It's That's a, a warning to you specifically, Chuck. If he's going to be racing you down the Marge Sharp Bond or the the Sharpa Bond, then right. he's going to win that race. Yeah, <laughs> it's been some time since I've come across him on my way to work. Well, yeah, because you're going to lose that race. That's how that's going to work. You must be getting to work earlier because twice, including last year on the first day of fall practice, mm-hmm. last August. You, 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 let's not get him arrested today. <laughs> I'm I'm like I've got this car coming what? up behind what? me, coming like right not up on my tail. I mean, I'm, the head I'm football doing coach se- arrested today at least, right? And this guy goes flying by me. <laughs> Good for him. Let's anyway. not get the head hey, football I'm coach stay, arrested today. I'm trying to do my best to stay off the police blotter as well because I'm currently on deferred adjudication. Oh, no. You don't have Big 12 media days this week. Right. Yeah. Because then that becomes the story we're all talking yeah. about. Yeah. 
at any rate, um, it's a it's a really good really good article and um, and just gives you some insight. And Joy McGuire will be fifty two next year, so for him to be hired as a head coach at a Power Five school at age fifty, I mean, we talk all the time. We talk, we we have talked in the past about how young this coach is. Yeah. Well, coaching is a young man's game, right? I mean, Spike Dykes was done being a head coach before the age of sixty. That's wild. Uh, it when you think about, it, I mean, I mean, he was done, and he was like, I think, fifty nine when he was about to turn. I, I think this is right. Let me just do a quick Google on that. Anyway, the the bottom the bottom line is, um, you know, a lot of times your your opportunity to coach is uh, is you know, Spike was okay. Spike was. 61 okay so 61 when he coached his last game at texas tech okay because he was born in 38 still young and though still, yeah still young but i mean you think about joy mcguire being hired at age 50 you know for spike he was hired as a head coach in 1984 so he was uh basically 46 which is still that's the you know, to be a head coach at forty six oh, yeah. in, yeah. in that era, yeah, uh, is still to be is still kind of a, a little bit long in the tooth, so to speak. So anyway, um, like I said, it's, it uh, came out today. That article came out today. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it came out today. So if you have that. a chance to take take a look at that, because uh, it give you some uh, a little different insight into uh, into Joey McGuire mm-hmm. and his passion for coaching football and you know and and it talked it talks in here a lot about the culture of what they have done the number of former coaches daughters that they've hired mm-hmm. how how the younger children of of coaches um call him uncle jojo and his wife aunt debbie <laughs> the familial um atmosphere that they have created mm-hmm. and you juxtapose that with the Pat Fitzgerald thing. So if people are saying this about Joey McGuire, okay, then they already knew this about Pat Fitzgerald. Right. Definitely. And yeah. Tyler Shuck did say, he can get on your butt, but he also has the ability to wrap his arm around you mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yep. I think Chris Beard had that to a certain degree. Grab your heart out and put it back in mm-hmm. and get you to play hard. Yeah. Not so familiar, but at any rate. <laughs> this has been the Morning Drive Podcast, presented by Cantex Roofing and Construction. Check out our library of Double T 97.3 podcasts at double T 97.3.com.